It's quite a hard uh, subject to kind of introduce, to be honest with you. Um, over these next three weeks, uh, I'd rather just get on with it and then it become clear what I'm talking about rather than give a really complicated explanation at the start and everyone's going, what was that? And then I get on with it and it becomes clear. So I'd rather just get on with it. Um, I do want to pray and ask that, that, that God would help me because though we can't see God with our eyes because he's spirit, we believe that he's here, his presence is here among us. And uh, um, as we open up the Bible, which we believe is his inspired word that, he's been, that, that, God, that God by his Holy Spirit inspired people to write, that as we open it up and, and let it loose, that amazing things happen in our lives, that our minds are renewed, that even, even we can... Should I leave it? Should I swap now? Chris? It's good, you say that every week. It never is. Okay, alright. So, so it is, sorry, no, it is, it is um, sometimes. Right, okay. Uh, where was I? Um, I was saying something profound, yeah. That as we open up God's Word, the Bible, that, you know, there's a, there's the, the Holy Spirit will use the, these words to, um, to, to renew our minds, to just sort of, sort of kind of just do an amazing transforming work through them and also that through the power of God's word we can actually be brought from a state of like um, spiritual deadness to being made alive where we suddenly know God and as we hear the good news of Jesus where, where we, we, we come alive to that so if you're here and you know you're not even you'd say that you, you're not a believer at the moment or you're not even quite sure where you would place yourself I just want to say look be expectant, you know, as I, as I speak during this time, it's not just a lecture or some information, we're going to let God's word loose. So, you know, be, be expectant for, 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 for God to just touch your heart in that and do, do something brand new that you've maybe never experienced before. But if you are very familiar with the Bible, with listening to sermons and, and, and Jesus, I still want to say the same to you, be expectant. We're going to let God's word loose and see what it does. So, Father, thank you for this time together, gather together. I just want to pray you'd help us, even in the heat to be able to concentrate and to be able to really get some good stuff, um, Lord, into our hearts, into our lives through your word. We, I, just, I submit myself to you in this. I say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. I don't want to just stand up here and spout. I can't think of a worse thing. I pray that you would help me to really bring something that is kind of from you, Lord, that you would do an amazing thing in people's lives through this. And I pray for those that listen. Help them hear what you're saying. Lord, help them, give them ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, I pray. We pray this, Lord, we pray this for the glory of Jesus and for the good of our lives. Amen. Alright, a little bit of church history for you we're going to start with. Um, How we got to where we are today, obviously very simplified and generalised, but nevertheless there's a a lot of truth in it. When we read the Gospels, we, we, we come across this Jesus who really doesn't exactly appear out of nowhere. Uh, in the run-up to Jesus coming, there was this prophet, John the Baptist, who was, who was an incredible man and, and, and really was, came introducing Jesus. He came living this very unusual lifestyle. Um, he, he, he would eat strange foods and dress in strange ways and live out in the desert. And really the whole idea was, was that he, by his manner, was saying, I'm just like... Elijah and some of those Old Testament prophets, there was a deliberate sense in which he knew that he was a prophet of God, he was a mouthpiece from God and he would, and he said the whole reason I've come is to introduce you, is to pave the way for this next one coming, Jesus. Jesus comes, 
and really over three years, gathers around him a lot of people, but specifically 12 men, in a very kind of a special way, his disciples who were later called apostles. He gathers them to himself, and he really pours his life into them, and teaches them, and equips them, and prepares them for when he goes. They don't get the plan. They don't understand that he's... Um, that he's going to die on the cross and that that's part of the plan. Um, Even though he predicts it a number of times, when it happens, they are completely disorientated. You know when something happens in your life and you didn't see it coming? Even if everyone else did. But you didn't and you're like, what do we do now? That's what they were like. They were confused. They They would just sit in a room, in a locked room, because they were scared. Most likely just looking at each other or looking down at the ground, sighing. What do we do now? Jesus rose from the dead three days after his death and appeared to them numbers of times, which for them was incredible, shocking, it was amazing, but also terrifying, and it evoked all these emotions at the same time in them, but they realised, wow, this is the one who he said he was, by his resurrection we realised he really was the Son of God, and, uh, and for 40 days, he appeared, over a period of 40 days, he appeared to them at different times, and again, really started speaking to them about the Holy Spirit is going to come, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be clothed with power, and, 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 and I, I don't want you to keep this message to yourself, this, this message that you're just starting to understand that I have come to save, I've come to rescue, I've come out of love, I've been sent by the God of love, out of love, to rescue people from their uh, sin and from their kind of uh, torment and from uh, guilt and shame, I've come to rescue. And that dying on the cross was central to that because all the judgment that is deserved I took on myself, rising from the dead is central from that because now I've shown I've beaten death, I can give eternal life to whoever I choose because I now live by indestructible life. And I want you to go and share this message, not to just Israel, but to the whole world. And so there's this incredible moment, this incredible sense. And then Jesus ascends back to the Father. And while they're all sort of looking, thinking, what do we do now? Uh, we're told that some men dressed in white, which probably implies they were probably kind of uh, angelic in some way, said, why are you, why are you, what are you doing looking up in, in the sky? In the way he's gone, he's going to come again. In the same way that he went, he's going to return. And, 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 and then they, they go for um, a period of praying, a period where they just gather to seek God. Go, what do we do now? What happens next? Because Jesus has said, just, you're going to go to all the nations, but wait, because there's this promise of my Father coming. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in great power on them, and it's a shocking moment. We're told there's a sound like a rushing wind. It's not like, it's a rushing wind. It's a terrifying sound, and it fills the, the whole room, and, and, uh, and it says that tongues of fire, like in a spiritual sense, rested on each one of them, and they start speaking in languages they've never learned. And it's an incredible day, and, 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 and the, the commotion gathers people from across Jerusalem to where they are, and Peter stands on his feet, and, he, and, he, and they say, what's this all about? And he says, this is what it's all about. And he proclaims this amazing message, this great news of Jesus. That he came and that though you crucified him, God has raised him up and he is Lord. And they say, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent, which means change the way you think, change the way you live. And be baptised, every one of you, and then you'll receive the spirit like we have. And 3,000 of them say, yeah, and gather and uh, repent and are baptised and are added to the church. And it's an incredible time. 
It's an, it's, there's, there's, there's miracles happening. There's simplicity and generosity of living among them. It's an incredible church. We're told that every day more people are being added, even though some are scared because this is clearly not just a club. That God's among them and you've got this mixture of awe and joy. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. And yet somehow it seems that they kind of do get a little bit stuck. Just a little bit. They never quite move out of Jerusalem. And, uh, and then over time, the authorities who used to look upon them with great favour suddenly begin, people begin to get antagonistic, people begin to get hostile, and persecution begins. Stephen is uh, stoned to death by, by angry Jews. And then a, a, a wide persecution breaks out as a result of that. And, and then we're told this, this is a beautiful, it's in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. That word preaching's got really ne- negative press. People tend to view it as kind of like, if someone's preachy, that's not a compliment. All the word means is, is that you're just declaring, you're proclaiming something. You're just saying, oh, wow. So, it, so really, those who were scattered because of the persecution went about talking about Jesus. They shared Jesus wherever they went. And then later on in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, it says this. It says, uh, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the words to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. So this is the Greek-speaking non-Jews. They start speaking to those who aren't Jews and sharing Jesus, which was a shocking thing to do. In those days, people, a lot of people thought, no, this message is just for the Jews. Even though Jesus has said, get this message out to every nation. And the hand of the Lord was with them, unsurprisingly. And a great number of, uh, who believed turned to the Lord. So we get, I want you to catch just a sense of sudden, uh, Holy Spirit comes, then it, things get a bit stuck, and then because of um, persecution and hostility... Boom! Suddenly there's this breakout from Jerusalem. People are scattered, not because they want to, but because of hardship. Much like we're seeing on the news today with, in Iraq and various Syria, various places where suddenly you've got to get out. You can't just, you know, you've got to get out, because if you don't get out, your whole, you and your family are in trouble. So they go like that, but as they go, they just share Jesus. And what happens is, is that numbers of people, many people, uh, hear this news and are utterly struck by it. It's, no one at this point is immune to the gospel, right? Because it's a new thing. It's not been around for 2,000 years. This is a new thing. For the Jews, for some of them, it's amazing. It's like, what? Our Messiah has come. We've been waiting for for centuries, has come, and they turn to him. Others are hostile and don't respond so positively. Lots of the non-Jews, who are, most of them are, are worshipping all kinds of different gods, um, which basically, and basically that worship was based on fear and superstition, pretty much. They hear about this God, who's not just a God of a certain thing, or a certain nation, but he's a God of heaven and of earth, who out of his great love for his creation has given his only son to die for our sins. That we, might, that we might be forgiven. and I mean, this is what good news. I mean, if you're, if you're in a relationship that's built on fear and superstition and all of that, and your worship is really just trying to appease gods by giving things and making bargains and spells and deals, and suddenly someone comes and says, you know what, the God who made everything, who's totally over all of these so-called gods that have your life gripped in fear, do you know what, he so loves the world that he's given his one and only son. So that whoever puts their trust in him won't perish, 
but we'll have everlasting life. I mean, man, that's good news. That's incredible. It's like, what? What, do you, what, 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 have, we, what have you got to do? Trust in Jesus. Well, what, what, what else? Trust in Jesus. There's nothing you can do. You're so far gone. There's nothing you can do. And, and anything you try will only make it worse. Because that is not how this thing works. This God of heaven and earth is glorious, awesome, holy, perfect. You can't, you can't try and scrabble your way up to him. It's embarrassing. But he has come. He has reached out in love and mercy and given his most precious, precious son to pay the price for our sin. I mean, man, what? That's the good news. It is incredible. It is such a beautiful thing. That's why the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news? Why? Well, because their feet are really beautiful? No, because of the message. So where they go with this message, it's a beautiful thing. Why? You've brought the good news. There is a God, and and he's he's the most powerful of every other so-called God, and he loves us, and he wants us to be with him forever, and he offers us free forgiveness through Jesus. This is great. I mean, this is glorious. It's called grace. It's just the, it's the, gener- the overflow, the generosity of God's heart. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And so, and so it, just, it goes like wildfire, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This message, it goes, and, 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 and it just spreads and spreads and spreads, okay? Fast forward a few centuries. It's changed. This kind of ragtag underground movement that was just sparky, full of spontaneous life. People coming to know Jesus and churches springing up because well, when you get a few believers, they want to meet together. They want to worship Jesus together. They want to break bread together. They want to pray together. They want to encourage one another. So churches start. It's just what happens. Most of these churches and these movements not started by preachers, but started by travelling merchants and business people. Just as they've gone on their business, just talking about Jesus. So much so that by about AD 120, it's reckoned the whole of the known world had been reached with the gospel. But it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't a HQ. No one was managing it. It's just people excited about Jesus. It just goes. But like many spontaneous movements, it kind of got very institutionalised and from sort of the 4th century onwards, really, through sort of linking in with the Roman Empire, just became like a, well, hard to separate from political power and just institutionalism. And really, a lot, of the, a lot of that momentum really slowed down and the thing got stuck. Now, within it, there was always reforming movements, the monasteries and the like things. There's always, when God's at work, there's always stuff that keeps reforming. But actually, what happened was this thing called Christendom was established, which is kind of like, I, I, I tried, to, tried, tried to find a good... Um, uh, a good definition of it. How do you explain it? And it's basically like the political domination of Christianity. That Christianity somehow becomes a dominating political power. And, 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 and what happens is, is that people kind of get, I don't know how to put it. It's like, uh, anyone who's born in that country, well, you're just a Christian, because you're a Christian country. That sort of idea. You know that sort of idea? Oh, you're just a Christian because you're born here, and uh, you go to church and obey the Ten Commandments. And this whole idea of finding Jesus and being born anew by the Spirit. This whole sense of this life of God uh, very easily becomes something else whereby, well, I've, just, I've always been a Christian, I've just been brought up in it, I, mean, I don't know, I go to church, and, but it's so different from finding Christ. It's a different thing. And, 
And then what you tend to find is over the ages, there's always good things going on. There's a power that grows in Christendom. And power is a very corrupting thing very often. And, and there's a whole load of corruption mixed in with the church and things like this. And, and in the end, there's, there's not a load of life going on as far as we know it. Like I said, there's always things bursting up here and there. But there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the name of the church, in the name of Christianity. The one good thing is this though. Because Christianity kind of becomes the state religion, when people recognise their soul sickness, like things aren't right, where do they go? The church. Because that's where you go. Even if the church doesn't seem to have any answers, that's where you go. So there's a positive thing in there. But there's a lot of negative. A lot of negative, where Christianity just really becomes very politicised and... Well, you can see it in certain countries of the world, you think, this is not good at all. And this goes on and trundles on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And without, again, I'm I'm being very, very simplistic here. But I want to just quickly zone in on the UK and just say, that is no longer the case in the UK. Over the last 50 years or so, things have really changed in our country. So when I was growing up at school, I wasn't at a church school. It wasn't a, you know, like a link to a church. Like, I don't know, it wasn't called St. Joseph's. It was called Slade Green Junior School. It's basically, it was just a state school. There was, yeah, but we prayed, but we, but we sung songs about Jesus and we prayed. Why? Because there was still a, a bit of a leftover of this kind of, well, we're Christian. And then when I was at secondary school, I remember we would do the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. And, you know, you wouldn't, I wasn't praying, but I'd say it off by heart, looking around all of us, you know. It's just, it's just what you did. That, that's no longer the case, unless it's a church school. Because there's a sense in which now we would no longer say, and that's a big debate, David Cameron, Christian values and all of that, but I think there's been a very clear moving away from the Bible as a nation. Now, there's negatives with that. But I think it also gives us an opportunity, actually, to rethink, as a church, what are we? Just to actually, just to stop and say, do you know what? Now is a really brilliant time in history to stop and say, what are we? What are we about? Where do we want to go? What do we want to look like? What what has God actually called us to do? This is a really great time to do that. People don't just come to church, generally. The church would not be known for certain things that it once would have been known for. The church is not really associated with spiritual power and reality. I don't, I don't, know, maybe, I don't know, maybe for some people, if they think, I need spiritual power and reality, they would go to church. Many people would go to many other things. I don't know, hot yoga, fierce grace. You know fierce grace? You seen fierce grace? It's a great name. Oh, it should be a Christian name. Fierce Grace is a, a new sort of company of kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the hot yoga um, that's becoming all the rage. Um, so it's, it's very attractive. There's an appeal of kind of the physical exercise, but also all this, the spiritual stuff thrown in. For many people, that would be their first port of course. That one spiritual reality, something like that. Or crystals, crystals. You know, I remember I said to the kids once, let's go to Camden Market because they were getting into precious stones. So let's go and get some precious stones. They must have some there. We found a stall with precious stones, and it was great. And then suddenly, but no, it's much more than that. You see, I didn't realise, naive. It's like, no, this stone means this. And it was the very whole spiritual framework around it. It's like, wow, I just wanted to get, like, a green one. <laughs> <laughs> Not so shallow. And a purple one, you know? And a shiny one. 
Oh, but this one means wisdom. It's like, I just want a purple one. And, but there's a whole trade in crystals. And you, know, you might have heard, read recently Victoria Beckham. She has her crystals, you know, um, when she goes and does certain things. And she, her comment is, well, it works for me. And, um, and we, I remember one of our neighbours used to talk very zealously about New York City and why it's so spiritually powerful because it's built on a lot of crystal. And it's like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do with that. But the church very often isn't what people think of as spiritual power. In reality, I tend to think, I don't know what people think, but I don't think it's often that. I don't think people often associate the church with compassion and humility. I think a lot of people associate the church with being told off. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe the, 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 it's not good news, but it's a lot of bad news. Now, there are elements of the gospel where if you're going to understand the good news, you do have to understand the bad news. You do. If it's just, it, the good news it shines because of the backdrop. The backdrop is we're lost. The backdrop is, you know what, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, and the scariest bit about the trouble we're in is that, do you know what, it's not even as if I fi- I've found myself kind of in this bad situation, and I, I don't know how I got here, it's like, well, uh, actually, do you know what, this, this bad situation is kind of attached to me. I'm a part of it, I contribute to it. I, I say and think things that I, I, I contribute to the problem. There is this element, you've got to understand the backdrop is, is that we're lost. And that we really need forgiveness. We do, and we need to be restored to God. There is that element. But, but the good news, surely, surely, that, that all, the, all that that background does is just show the good news for what it is. Because it's honest. It's not flattery, it's honest, it's truthful. That's the situation. But God... But God so loved the world. I mean, what love? What love? I find it easy to love people when they love me. Oh, yeah. I can do that. You want to love me? Come on over. I'm going to be loving. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's easy. But you've got this situation of people killing themselves, killing one another, blaspheming God. and And God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You think, what is that? That's true love. That's love you can bank your life on. It's amazing. It's good news. And God, I tell you, though anyone who's a genuine Christian knows they have received compassion from God that is undeserved. And, and I'm indebted to show compassion. Because if it wasn't for compassion, I, I would be utterly lost. And there's a humility that's got to be in my life. Why? Because I know I had nothing to bring to the table. He brought it all and welcomed me in. And so if the church must be known for compassion and humility. Why? But I don't think it often is. I don't know that the church is always associated with clarity, with a clear message. Often we seem to be bickering about this, that and the other. And so I don't think it's where people often go as their first port of call. But I think it gives the church, actually, an amazing opportunity to reconsider who are we, what are we here for, what do we stand for. And I want to just talk about this idea that the ch- one of the main things we've got to get into our system is that we have been called as a church, as Jesus' church, to be a missionary. What's a missionary? Aren't they those people, those, you know, those people, special people? They go. And we, we cheer them on. And we pray for them. And we give them money. And we say, we're with you all the way. But they're special. And we stay here. And we come here on a Sunday and we sing. We sing. <laughs> they're the missionaries, we're the singers. That, that, you know what, Jesus said this, Jesus said some amazing things. 
to his disciples. He said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Hold on a minute. Pause. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. You'll find that in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Jesus was sent. I mean, man, he blasted out of heaven into a manger, into a womb, then a manger. Sorry, he didn't go straight to the manger, did he? No. Womb, then manger. He's come a long way. There's been some movement. And then you think, man, you've, you've, you are really high. You who were very, in very nature God, you've not considered the quality of God something to be kept a hold of, but you've made yourself nothing. And then not only that, you think, well, that's low. You've come low. I mean, wow, heaven to earth, but not just earth. I mean, a manger, feeding trough. What is this? And then he goes lower, lower, lower. He's associating with the poor and, 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 and the unlovely. And he's, he's not taking on himself grandeur. He's humble, humble. He washes the feet of his disciples. And then he goes lower. He goes right down to the depths of utter humiliation, nakedness on the cross. And you say, what are you doing? It's like, I'm going to the depths to reach to the depths of humanity and bring humanity back up to the heights all who want to come into me through my resurrection and ascension. Yeah? So that's the gospel motion. And then, and then as he's on his way back up, he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Get on with it. Get on with it. Go, to, go for it. Just share. I have, I, all that I have poured into you, just go for it. Share it. Don't hold it to yourself. That would be a terrible thing to do. And so, over these next few weeks, I want us to consider well, what does that look like and, and what does that mean? But, but not to just get bogged down in little practical details, because I think we, we, there will be some of that, but mostly it's just that we've got to catch in our heart. Hold on a minute. As the Father sent Jesus, He's sent us. It's like I've been sent. It's not just the one or two special ones. No, no, no. We've been sent. We've been, this is incredible. This is amazing. This is shocking. Jesus' mission was a love-compelled seek and rescue. That's what it was. He said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And then Jesus said, I've come to seek and save those that have been lost. So it's a seek and rescue mission. Yeah? So a love-compelled seek and rescue mission, that's our life. That's it. That's what we've been sent on. And I know enough of you well enough to be able to just jump around and rejoice. And I know that you, you have this in your heart. I know it. And, uh, but it's something we need to... I think just with the worries of life and the pressures of life, you know how it is. Things crowd in, don't they? And you can just get stuck in survival, in, get, in getting by. I understand. I understand. But it's good for us to be around us again. Just hear the words of Jesus ringing in our ears freshly. As the Father sent me, I've sent you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. So, so what does it mean? Well, first it means understanding that my life is a go life. So, so when Jesus brought me back, back to heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach, just preach the gospel to everyone. Share the good news with everyone. All of creation. I heard a story once. of uh, <laughs> It's a great story. It's a guy who was in Africa. Um, it's a long while ago, I think, but he, he, um, 
he, he was round by this, it was one of the parts of Africa that's very densely uh, populated with jungle. And uh, he, he was based there as a missionary. But he, there wasn't hardly anyone around. Don't ask me how that ended up there, I don't know. But anyway. There's one day where he literally feels compelled by God to preach to the monkeys. Because he's like, there's no one around. He's like, oh, come on. Do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. So, he goes, no, don't be silly. And then he's reading through the Gospel of Mark, and at the end it says, preach the Gospel to all creation. He's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, all right. So he just goes to the jungle, and he does it. Right? So he's, he's, been pro- he's proclaiming, obviously, I, I guess he's been doing his best to, I don't know, what he, the local dialogue, or whatever. Right? But he does it, and he's, he's dying on his feet. But at the end of the message, see, what happens is a load of these, um, a load of the local people that, 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 that were, were living in the jungle, they were there. They were just hiding. They start coming out. And it's a great story because you, you think, oh, this, when Jesus says, preach the gospel to all creation, do you know what? He has got his heart and his eyes on every corner of the world. He has. He cares about you. Even as I'm speaking now, I feel the Holy Spirit is just showing me an image of someone Please listen carefully. It's like you're, you're in a flat and it's just dark. Everything about it seems dark. And, you, it's, and the sense that you have in your heart is, does anyone see me in this? And I feel the Lord, particularly by his Holy Spirit today, wants to say to you, yes. He sees to the darkest corner of every life. And he wants to reach it with the good news. He sees to the darkest corner of every life and wants to bring his life and compassion into that. He really does. He really, really does. There's this calling on us. I have, I have to understand that some of us are called to stay and go. Some of us are called to go and go. Okay? So, Matmed, where's Matmed? Matmed, called to go and go. He was with us in London, felt the Holy Spirit calling to move to Latvia, Riga and Latvia, to share the good news. So he's done that. But now he's there, he's staying and going. We are staying and going. Dave and Lisa are going and going. They're last Sunday here together. We're going to pray for them at the end. But they're going and going. They're going south. <laughs> south. It's a long way. South. Amazing fruitfulness awaits them. Jose and Bernice are going and going. Back to Colombia. An amazing ministry there. Exciting times. Tom and Chloe are going and going. Amsterdam. And on it goes. If I went through the list anymore, I'd start crying and we'd all get depressed, okay? So, <laughs> we'll stop there. <laughs> but when they get there, they stay and go. And then God might call them on. Those of us that are left here, we stay and go. We go. Why? Because Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I've sent you. So I understand my life in that way. And I understand and it's a beautiful thing to live with. Which means that I'm going to live publicly for Jesus, wherever I am. I'm not going to go quiet about Jesus. I'm not going to do that. I'm going I'm to be public for Jesus. I remember, remember once when I was, because I, I do um, boxing training once a week, and it was at my gym, and we were in a particularly hard sh- circuit training, and the coach screamed out, I think someone was groaning or praying or something, and he screamed out, no point talking to Jesus, he won't help you here. Something like that. <laughs> you know, it was those moments, and I thought, or something, or he, you know, he ain't here. You know, and I thought, oh, I don't know, what should I say? I need to say something, because he is here. <laughs> I, so I, just at the end, just quietly at the end, just went and had a word. So you, 
he's here. You know, and uh, he said he's not here, but he is here. And he cares about you. Because you know, it's like, well, hold on a minute. If you're going to say... Th- say again? He's turning me up. Better? Thanks, Chris. Well done. So that's, he's here and he cares about you. Why? Because actually, do you know what? As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. There's a mouthpiece responsibility, isn't there? It's not always easy and you've got to do it humbly, but you think, I've got, I've got to say, say things. Um, not in a judgmental, stroppy way. No, no, no. Respect, the Bible says respectfully and gently. Respectfully and gently. And your life's got to adorn it. We'll look at all that in the next few weeks. But actually, you know what? I just got, we've, got to, we've got to be public for Jesus. Um, well, well, he's been pretty public for us. Yeah. I've, got, I've got to be public for him. The, the third thing is I'm going to recognise that everything about my life is a divine setup. Everything about where I live, where I hang out. The Bible says this, Acts 17, verse 26. Very important verse. He says, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. God has determined where you live. And, and, you know, when and where. It's in God's hands. He's created you for such a time as this, so that, um, and it goes on to say, that, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. So actually there's a sense in which we're called to be where we are, that we might seek God and that those that we meet around us, as we just... just very naturally share Jesus, they'll seek God. They'll, something will be stirred in their heart. It's a beautiful and it's a wonderful thing. And then the other thing, the final thing, what it means, so it means that um, I'm going to understand that my life is a go life. I'm, 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 it's go. I'm going to live publicly for Jesus. I'm going to recognise everything about my life is not random, but it's God-ordained. And then finally, I'm going to get all of my priorities. I'm going to make sure that I don't spend my whole life living in some Christian ghetto. Just, just spend my whole time in, in prayer meetings, wonderful as they are. Not going to do that. Why? Because Jesus was sent into the world. Be sent into the world. So I've got to, you know, you have to be wise. It may be that there are certain parts of the world. Do you think if I go there, I, I, I'm kind of spiritually weak. I'm going to get drawn in. Okay, then you're fine. You don't go there. Of course, you've got to be wise and, and use that. You, you recognise, no, we're not called to be of the world, but we are, boy, are we called to be in the world. Yes. And that's why there's an element, we, we try to keep our meetings, so we don't just clog the whole week with meetings, it's deliberate. Because we're not caught, Jesus, we've not been commissioned, you, you know, go forth and have meetings. Now, now it's, we need to gather and have fellowship, of course we do, and, 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 but there's, we, there is this thing over our lives. Mark Driscoll, who's a, a brilliant he's a pastor, he's really good on this stuff. He says this, a church will be completely faithful only when it's faithful to its God, to the Bible, and to its mission in the world. So you can be faithful to God and faithful to the Bible, but if you're not faithful to the mission, which is to just share Jesus, then there's, a, there's an area that needs attending to. So finally, I'm going to just finish now and just look at three common objections. Number one, hold on a minute, all this talk of sharing Jesus, can't we just live and let live? What's the matter with you, Preacher? Can't people just live and let live? Of course they can. Absolutely people can live and let live. Um, so I'm not talking about a situation where you're just getting on people's case in a kind of naggy way or anything. Jesus never went around nagging people. There's no, look through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You won't find Jesus chasing people around, nagging them. Oh, it's him again, quick, you know. No, it's not, it wasn't like that. 
That it really is not the tone of the Gospels at all. Of course, we're, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But sit, sitting idly by while people walk off cliffs is inexcusable. Imagine, literally, imagine you are, I mean, when me and Melody last year was in Eastbourne, we walked uh, over to Beachy Head, where literally, you know, it's, they're literally, about one person a day tries to jump off to commit suicide. Okay? Um, and we bumped into this wonderful woman, she must have been in her 70s or 80s, and her job, that she was on duty just looking out for people that were potentially going to jump. So she made a beeline for us, bless her. <laughs> Must have looked sad or something, I don't know. But we were having a great time. We were having a great time. Um, to be honest, as I reflected on it, I thought it's probably, the, you know, this sort of terrible, there seems to be these terrible stories in the news of people who don't just kill themselves but take little ones with them. And I thought, I wonder if she was thinking that. But anyway, we had a, we had a lovely conversation. We had a pray together. It was be- beautiful. But um, she said, yeah, she said, we try and say to the media, please don't report because it just makes it worse. But we're generally, we're generally stopping about person a day. Imagine, imagine, if, imagine if I said to her, well, don't you just live and, don't you just live and let live? Well, they're not going to live. And so the point with this is that to give someone the opportunity to hear the good news of how they might find eternal life in Jesus is, is a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. How beautiful are the feet of those who share Second thing is, why can't we all just... What, second objection. Why can't we all just believe what we want to believe? Well, we can. We can all believe what you want to believe. So, uh, absolutely. You never fight... A church or Christian should never try and coerce, manipulate someone into believing something. It's horrible. Or, or salesmanship, you know, just peddling the gospel. It's horrible. No. Of course. But I think all should have the opportunity to hear and see the gospel. I think everyone should have an opportunity to hear this great news that there is a God and he loves them. And he loves them so much he's given his only son. I mean, that's incredible. You never get a chance to hear that. I mean, man, this is the good news. And the Bible teaches that what we believe will determine the entire course of our existence in this life and the next. The Bible teaches that. What you believe will determine the entire course of your existence in this life and the next. So people absolutely can choose to believe what they believe, but boy, it, you need to be able to hear the good, you need to at least know what you're saying no to. Because when you really hear it, I think you'll say yes. It's just the best thing to be reconciled to God. Final objection, isn't this just like going back, to, isn't that the Crusades, isn't that what this, that, that sort, are we just going back to that? No, they were wars. It's a very different thing to what I'm talking about, right, but if you hear people say, no, no, they were wars. They were essentially wars and they were about forced conversions, they were about power, they were about political superiority and all kinds of other things. This is sharing the good news, it's different, right? So you can't let your bloody past determine your future. You've got to say, that was a mistake, and we'll learn from that, okay? But we, we can't go quiet on the gospel, man. It's an amazing message that we've got. I would say this, that the influence and the credibility and the authority of the Christian rests primarily on their compassion and good works. 
There's a message to proclaim that we're called to proclaim regardless. And man alive, God has used the most hypocritical people that have proclaimed the message faithfully. He, he has and he does. But actually there is something about a believer who talks about Jesus but lives with compassion. Carries the heart of God. That is just powerful. Very, very powerful. It makes it a whole gospel in a sense. Per- the person gets to see what the gospel does in someone's life as well as hear this message. And that is a very, very beautiful thing. We live in an important time. It's a time to hold on to the gospel. It's a time to share the gospel. It's a time to recognise that God has put people in our lives that he loves and wants to save. And so really my sort of clarion call, if you like, I've got two calls. First is to those of you that you know and love Jesus and you're like, I want to just say to you, you are part of God's missionary group. I won't use the word army because it can come across in the wrong sense. But God has called you, God has, in the same way that the Father sent Jesus, he has sent you. Uh, you know, I just want to, I, I, you know, I also want, I don't want to name names because it's embarrassing, but I want to thank you. There's so many of you in my life that have just been, just by the way you live your life, it's been such an encouragement to me. I'll tell you a quick story. Simon's not here this Sunday, but I'll tell you Simon's story. This is an amazing story. Simon, um, Simon's got uh, a particular table with four chairs in it that fit in it, but two of them are broke. And then they were going on free cycle or something, or one of them. And there's two chairs, exactly the ones they need for the table. Um, so Natalie sent him down to Clapham. So off he goes to Clapham. He gets to the house, knocks on the door. Hello, I've come for the chairs. Blah, blah, blah. Gets the chairs, walks out. And then he, God, just, God just speaks into his heart in that moment. He says, there's a lot of sadness in that man's life. Right? So he's walking down the street and he's like, oh no. <laughs> and he, 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 keep, you know, he keeps walking for a while and stops. And then God just says, you've got to speak to that guy. So he does a U-turn. <laughs> and he walks back and he stood on the doorstep thinking, what do I say? What do I do? You know? And he just rings the doorbell. Because he knows if once I've rung it, then I've got to do it. So he just rings it. <laughs> And the guy said, the guy opens the door, the chairs are right. He's like, yeah, the chairs are fine. He says, this might sound crazy, I'm a Christian. And as I was with you, I just felt, I just felt God say, there's, there's a lot of sadness in your life. And I, I don't know, maybe I could pray for you or something. And the man's eyes just fills up with, he says, fills up with tears. He says, can you come in? He says, yeah. And he says, just, and, 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 and just, the timing was incredible. What the man was going through was just like, uh, and, and, and so Simon ends up praying with him in his kitchen and, uh, and then later when he gets home finds his email from this guy saying can we, can we meet up and talk more because what it is, it's the compassion of God who sees what the man's going through and says I, w- I want to reach this guy see it's just beautiful and uh, so that's someone who he's, he's just living in, living in London getting some chairs for his table right it's not like, oh, missionary. No, he's got some chairs for his table. All right? It's normal. But he's going. Go. As, I've, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And when the Spirit moves, it's like, ah, be responsive to that. It's an amazing thing. I mean, probably many of you read uh, on the Rev News the other week. Just, I was so provoked hearing Adam's story of praying for someone at work. Just love overcoming fear and... Just bumped into this woman who I haven't seen for a few months. It's a bit of a, we know each other, we're chatting. It's a terrible toothache. Can I pray for you? She says, yeah. So we just prayed her in the middle of Queen's Crescent Estate. Just prayed. Simple prayer. 
And then, but when she said to me, I will remember that for the rest of my life. I couldn't... I mean, the prayer wasn't even impressive. It was the kind of prayer you'd pray in the middle of Queen's Crescent State. Do you know what I mean? You know, 10 seconds long. But I just thought... You just think, oh, gosh. He sent us. And, and he does the stuff. He saves, he brings people to life. But if we can just be ready... God will be with us in it. Amen? Amen. And then the final trumpet blast is for those of you, you just think, do you know what? I didn't know about this good news. I didn't, I didn't know I could be forgiven freely and I could, well, you know, how, what, you know. Well, it's kind of a funny one, just to say, it doesn't cost you anything, but it costs you everything. Right? So, it doesn't cost you anything. It's God's gift for you in Jesus. It, and it's no, there's no catches. Okay, there's no catches. It's his, he's done it all. There's nothing you can add to it. He's done it all. It's a drama sketch we planned earlier. <laughs> so, they'll be all right. They're all right. So, it costs you nothing. But it costs you everything. In what sense? Well, I knew someone once who said this. He was thinking about becoming a Christian and he said, Do I have to stop wearing jeans? <laughs> Seriously. He said to the preacher, do I have to stop wearing jeans? Now, maybe the Christians he'd seen didn't wear jeans. I don't know, right? But the preacher said this. Very interesting. The preacher said, maybe. Why? Why? Here's why the preacher said maybe. The preacher didn't just go, no, sure, jeans are fine. He said, maybe. Why? Because what he wanted to make sure was this. If this person was going to come to Jesus, right, actually, if you're going to call Jesus Lord, then what he says goes. Now, he doesn't say no jeans. <laughs> But there's that sense in which if you're going to come and you're going to give your life to Christ, you're going to receive new life as an absolute gift. Okay? But, but it's as you make Jesus Lord, which means he's in charge of your life, which means you entrust him entirely with your life. And so in that sense, it costs you everything. Right? So there's, there's two elements to it. But if you, just, if you just know, as I've been speaking, or maybe just during the songs, or maybe even just the thing that got you here today, you came in knowing, I, I, I need this, I need Jesus, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to just say, the Bible says this, if you call on the name of the Lord and you mean it, you say, Jesus, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says. He'll hear you. He will hear you. You don't need me to pray with you. You don't need anyone to... If you call the name of Jesus with all your heart, say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me for my sins and save me. Just say it to him, right? You might, you might be embarrassed. A friend of mine, when he became a Christian, he said, I was really embarrassed. I went bright red because I was talking and there's no one else in the room. You know, it's just brand new. But he's there and he'll hear you. He will hear you. He will save you. And you'll know. You'll know I'm not saying. Something's happened. Okay? So I want to just say, as we break bread now and take the wine and as we sing these songs, if you know that it's time for you to give your life to Jesus, just call say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, please save me and give me a new life. I want to follow you. He will hear you. He will, and he will do something in you. And the beauty of it is this, you will know it's him. Because you've called out on him and he saved you. Okay, and we'd love to encourage you, help you, we'll get hold of a Bible for you, teach you about Jesus and all of that. But I think, you know what, if you want to start a life with Jesus, you tell Jesus. And you let Jesus answer you and just bring brand new life to your heart. You'll know it. It's like, something's changed, I still look the same, but something's changed. You've been born anew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
And for the rest of us that have known the joy of being born anew, let's enjoy the bread and the wine together. Let's pray with each other. Let's encourage each other. And let's, as we just glorify Jesus with these songs, let's be freshly aware of his uh, smile over our lives. Amen?